Chapter One of the Eyes of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss. The Eyes of the World by Harold Bell Wright. Chapter One. His Inheritance. It was winter, cold and snow and ice and naked trees and leaden clouds and stinging wind. The house was an ancient mansion on an old street in that city of culture which is given to the history of our nation, to education, to religion, to the sciences, and to the many arts, so many illustrious names. In the changing years before the beginning of my story, the woman's immediate friends and associates had moved from the neighborhood to the newer and more fashionable districts of a younger generation. In that city of her father's there were few of her old companions left. There were fewer who remembered. The distinguished leaders in the world of art and letters, whose voices had been so often heard within the walls of her home, had, one by one, passed on, leaving their works and their names to their children. The children, in the greedy rush of these younger times, had too readily forgotten the woman who, to the culture and genius of a passing day, had been hostess and friend. The apartment was pitifully bare and empty. Ruthlessly it had been stripped of its treasures of art and its proud luxuries. But even in its naked necessities the room managed still to evidence the rare intelligence and the exquisite refinement of its dying tenant. The face upon the pillow, so wasted by sickness, was marked by the death gray. The eyes, deep in their hollows between the fleshless forehead and the prominent cheekbones, were closed. The lips were livid. The nose was sharp and pinched. The colorless cheeks were sunken. But the outlines were still delicately drawn and the proportions nobly fashioned. It was still the face of a gentlewoman. In the ashen lips only was there a sign of life, and they trembled and fluttered in their effort to utter the words that an indomitable spirit gave them to speak. Today, today he will come. The voice was a thin, broken whisper, but colored still with pride and gladness. A young woman in the uniform of a trained nurse turned quickly from the window. With soft professional step she crossed the room to bend over the bed. Her trained fingers sought the skeleton wrist. She spoke slowly, distinctly, with careful clearness, and under the cool professionalism of her words there was a tone of marked respect. "'What is it, madam?' The sunken eyes opened. As a burst of sunlight through the suddenly opened doors of a sepulchre, the death-gray face was illumined. In those eyes, clear and burning, the nurse saw all that remained of a powerful personality. In their shadowy depths she saw the last glowing embers of the vital fire gathered, carefully nursed and tended, kept alive by a will that was clinging with almost superhuman tenacity to a definite purpose. Dying, this woman would not die, could not die, until the end for which she willed to live should be accomplished. In the very grasp of death she was forcing death to stay his hand, Without life she was holding death at bay. It was magnificent, and the gentle face under the nurse's cap shone with appreciation and admiration as she smiled her sympathy and understanding. "'My son, 
my son will come to-day the voice was stronger and with the eyes expressed a conviction a certainty with the faintest shadow of a question the nurse looked at her watch the boat was due in new york early this morning madam a step sounded in the hall outside the nurse started and turned quickly toward the door but the woman said the doctor and again the fire that burned in those sunken eyes was hidden wearily under their dark lids the white-haired physician and the nurse at the farther end of the room spoke together in low tones said the physician incredulous you say there is no change none that i can detect breathed the nurse it is wonderful her mind is clear as though she were in perfect health the doctor took the nurse's chart for a moment he studied it in silence he gave it back with a gesture of amazement god nurse he whispered she should be in her grave by now it's a miracle but she always has been like that he continued half to himself looking with troubled admiration toward the bed at the other end of the room always he went slowly forward to the chair that the nurse placed for him seating himself quietly beside his patient and bending forward with intense interest his fine old head bowed he regarded with more than professional care the wasted face upon the pillow the doctor remembered too well when those finely moulded features now so worn by sorrow so marked by sickness so ghastly in the hue of death were rounded with young woman health and tinted with rare loveliness he recalled that day when he saw her a bride he remembered the sweet proud dignity of her young wifehood he saw her again when her face shone with the glad triumph and the holy joy of motherhood the old physician turned from his patient to look with sorrowful eyes about the room that was to witness the end why was such a woman dying like this why was a life of such rich mental and spiritual endowments of such wealth of true culture coming to its close in such material poverty the doctor was one of the few who knew he was one of the few who understood that to the woman herself it was necessary there were those who without understanding for the sake of the years that were gone would have surrounded her with the material comforts to which in her younger days she had been accustomed the doctor knew that there was one a friend of her childhood famous now in the world of books who would have come from the ends of the earth to care for her all that a human being could do for her in those days of her life's tragedy that one had done then because he understood he had gone away her own son did not know could not in his young manhood have understood if he had known would not understand when he came perhaps some day he would understand perhaps when the physician turned again toward the bed to touch with gentle fingers the wrist of his patient his eyes were wet at his touch her eyes opened to regard him with affectionate trust and gratitude well mary he said almost brusquely the lips fashioned the ghost of a smile into her eyes came the gleam of that old-time challenging spirit well dr george she answered then i told you i would not go until he came i must have my way still you see he will come to-day he must come yes mary returned the doctor 
his fingers still on the thin wrist and his eyes studying her face with professional keenness. Yes, of course. And, George, you will not forget your promise? You will give me a few minutes of strength when he comes, so that I can tell him. I, I must tell him myself, George. You will do this last thing for me? Yes, Mary, of course, he answered again. Everything shall be as you wish, as I promised. Thank you, George. Thank you, my dear, dear old friend. The nurse who had been standing at the window stepped quickly to the table that held a few bottles, glasses, and instruments. The doctor looked at her sharply. She nodded a silent answer as she opened a small flat leather case. With his fingers still on his patient's wrist, the physician spoke a word of instruction, and in a moment the nurse placed a hypodermic needle in his hand. As the doctor gave the instrument again to his assistant, a quick step sounded in the hall outside. The patient turned her head. Her eager eyes were fixed upon the door. Her voice, stronger now with the strength of the powerful stimulant, rang out. "'My boy, my boy, he is here. George, nurse, my boy is here.' The door opened. A young man of perhaps twenty-two years stood on the threshold. The most casual observer would have seen that he was a son of the dying woman. In the full flush of his young manhood's vigor there was the same modeling of the mouth, the same nose with finely turned nostrils, the same dark eyes under a breadth of forehead, while the determined chin and the well-squared jaw, together with a rather remarkable fitness of line, told of an inherited mental and spiritual strength and grace as charming as it is in these days rare his dress was that of a gentleman of culture and social position his very bearing evidenced that he had never been without means to gratify the legitimate taste of a cultivated and refined intelligence as he paused for an instant in the open door to glance about that poverty-stricken room a look of bewildering amazement swept over his handsome face he started to draw back, as if he had unintentionally entered the wrong apartment. Looking at the doctor, his lips parted as if to apologize for his intrusion. But before he could speak, his eyes met the eyes of the woman on the bed. With a cry of horror he sprang forward. Mother! Mother! As he knelt there by the bed, when the first moments of their meeting were past, he turned his face toward the doctor. From the physician his gaze went to the nurse, then back again to his mother's old friend. His eyes were burning with shame and sorrow, with pain and doubt and accusation. His low voice was tense with emotion as he demanded, "'What does this mean? Why is my mother here like—like this?' His eyes swept the bare room again. The dying woman answered, "'I will explain, my boy. It is to tell you that I have waited.' At a look from the doctor, the nurse quietly followed the physician from the room. It was not long. When she had finished, the false strength that had kept the woman alive until she had accomplished that which she conceived to be her last duty failed quickly. "'You will promise. You will?' "'Yes, mother, yes. Your education, your training, your blood, they are all—they are all that I can— give you my son oh mother mother why did you not tell me before why did i not know 
the cry was a protest an expression of bitterest shame and sorrow she smiled it was all that i could do for you my son the only way i could help i do not regret the cost you will not forget never mother never you promise to to regain that which your father solemnly the answer came in an agony of devotion and love i promise yes mother i promise a month later the young man was travelling as fast as modern steam and steel could carry him toward the western edge of the continent he was flying from the city of his birth as from a place accursed he had set his face toward a new land determined to work out there his promise the promise that he did not at the first understand how he misunderstood how he attempted to use his inheritance to carry out what he first thought was his mother's wish and how he came at last to understand is the story that i have to tell end of chapter 1 recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com